We've all been there, justifying our creative job to mum and dad, explaining what our job is to granddad, brushing off jokes about freelancing from our mate who works in finance. But times are changing and the value of creativity is being recognised. The creative industries are the fastest growing part of the UK economy and the least likely jobs to be taken over by robots. I'm Kayleigh McLeod and this is Get A Proper Job, where I'll be talking about the issues that matter. Ultimately, I understand that all of my businesses, I am my businesses. Really, it's just taking the same expertise and applying them to different circumstances. In today's episode, we'll be talking about how creative careers evolve and change with Jessica Dunrod and Johnny Campbell. Get a proper job. Hello and welcome. In today's episode, we'll be talking about how creative careers evolve and change. How do you develop your skills, interests and areas of passion throughout your creative career? We're joined today by two guests to share their experiences and learnings in this area. Jessica Dunrod is a translator, author, activist and director of the only Black-owned translation firm in the UK, Lily Translates and Ambassadora. And Johnny Campbell is a creative producer, award-winning filmmaker, cameraman and editor who has a background in architecture. Someone who writes books and someone who makes films. I feel like we're going to have lots of great storytelling in this episode. Welcome to both of you and thanks for joining us. At Creative Cardiff, we're still working from home. So we're recording this, our third series of Get a Proper Job remotely. As with the last series, apologies in advance if you hear sounds of our home life in the background. The global pandemic has forever altered the world of work particularly in the creative industries. And so over the next few episodes, we're going to explore what that means for creatives. And our guests today have an eclectic career portfolio for us to dive right into. So Jessica, can you start by telling us a little bit about your career to date, please? Hi, um, I launched Ambassador Translations and Language Solutions in my penultimate year of my BA at Cardiff Uni, where I studied translation. And I recently launched Lily Translates. Ambassadora was set up to deal with all businesses and help them expand internationally through language solutions. And then spotting a niche in the market where I saw there was no um, translation firm dedicated to children's literature. I launched Lily Translates specifically to assist authors and publishers and also to produce the multilingual audiobook to accompany the translation. And then I wrote some books. And then I wrote some books, so just throw that in there. (laughs) You've written two children's books, which is amazing. What were your main drivers for doing that? Well, George Floyd started everything because that happened, and then the the Race Equality Steering Group was formed in Cardiff University, of which I'm co-chair, and we are working on decolonising the curriculum and, you know, actually sorting out those issues that are institutionally prevalent. Our issue was, well, we're going to sort everything out on campus, we'll leave, but then ignorance will come into our university. How do we help the younger years? So that was kind of my way of to subliminally fight racism without ever saying the word race and put it in children's literature and also heal a community which has never been represented in literature because we know that we represent less than 2% Black characters in children's books and authors who write them, but then there are more than 40% dog main characters. 
So the perspective, you know, we're not really getting much, let alone say if you've got neurodiverse needs and you really need a book that you can relate to. There still aren't many books out there to help children with autism and with identity issues. So it's kind of starting a process, really, in order to help other marginalised voices come through. And so where did you start when it came to writing a children's book? Well, I started writing on the 4th of November, Your Hair is Your Crown. And then halfway through, I just realised there were very many books that needed to be written, even those simple picture books. I thought about the doll test and thought, how do we counteract that if we know that racism and stereotypical views are formed by the time you're three or four years old? How do we counteract that? Which is why Outstanding would see a young black girl dressed as a judge and an engineer and all these different roles where women are not necessarily associated with and also people of colour in order it's a very long-term goal to try and fix this over time. And do you feel like you've got lots of other books in you? Yeah I've already started writing there's a few coming up the Welsh history textbooks there are so many things that need to be done at the moment I've started a GoFundMe page Um, to raise money to translate 10 Black British authors into Welsh um, while we wait for more Black Welsh children's authors to emerge because I'm believed to be the first Welsh-born Black children's author and it's going to take ages until people start producing books. There are currently amazing books out there in the UK literary world which just haven't been translated into Welsh and therefore inaccessible for our Welsh schools. I'm excited to hear more about that. Johnny, can you just tell me a little bit about working as an architect and then as a filmmaker and how that journey has developed? Sure. Yeah, well, um, to tell the truth, I've never actually worked as an an architect. It's what I studied at at university. I went to Cardiff Uni as well uh, and I did a a placement year. But legally, I wasn't allowed to call myself um, an an architect because I didn't study it for for long enough. (laughs) But I didn't go into studying it necessarily with the ambition to do it as a job. I thought it would be a really interesting thing to study. I liked the balance of creative and practical thinking, I guess, which at school I'd always been quite good at at both. So it felt like a sort of natural progression, having had a taste for what it was like to do as a job when I did a work placement that I sort of realised that maybe I I definitely didn't want to do it (laughs) forever. And as a creative course, we were exposed to photography and even things like responding to briefs. And so filmmaking came about almost as a bit of a, a side hustle whilst I was studying I sort of had access to a camera just started giving stuff a go and the more I did it the more I enjoyed it and so when I left university in 2014 after my master's uh, I just made the decision that I'd set myself up as a freelancer and just see if I'd get some work uh, on camera or editing I didn't get any because I had no experience on paper so I you know sort of trying to get even work experience and that kind of thing and I got a part-time sort of retail job to keep that going and eventually having knocked on enough doors finally um I had a couple of of opportunities and really it just went from there really those led on to other opportunities you start to build a network of people and yeah uh that's sort of how how that transition happened really and suppose I've gone on to do that for about five 
six years now but then last year the tv and film production sector obviously suffered quite heavily with um, the impact of coronavirus lockdowns and restrictions uh and so i was put on furlough from the agency i was working with at the time video production agency and that actually gave me a bit of time to to reflect and i realized i had started to actually miss the world of of architecture to a to a certain extent and so what i'm trying to do now is explore where the world of architectural design and the world of filmmaking and the wide world of, of, of communications and storytelling might cross over and do you feel like there are transferable skills between architecture and filmmaking 100 and i think they are skills that you will come across in any creative discipline i think so just the whole process of typically starting with a client who comes to you with an idea which you flesh out into a brief and that brief is always a conversation it's a discussion and then essentially the core of it is your creative response to that brief now whether that's designing a house or making a documentary that's essentially the same process and work of course working within parameters within that like there's always a budget there's always a time scale knowing what is possible what's not possible and how how, how to communicate that stuff both to your clients but also to people you're working with so in world of architecture you don't work in a in a silo you work with engineers you work with planners you know you work with council you should be working with the public you have to be a a, a translator you have to know how to talk to different people in different ways and again, that's the same with filmmaking. You're working with crew, you're working with uh, contributors, and of course, you're working with your client at the end of the day. So yeah, there's there's lots of transferable skills. It's really just the the medium that you're working in that's different. Yeah, lots of complementarity there in terms of core skills. Jess, I guess the same question to you, really. Do you feel like your career in translation complements your work as an author and, and vice versa? You mentioned the, the GoFundMe there. I'm assuming that those are connected to both of your careers. Yes, definitely, because um, one of the main reasons I wrote the books also was to prove how well I could translate and how complicated lexical elements in one language or hidden political meanings or hidden meanings can be translated in all languages while, say, promoting an underrepresented group or protecting a minorized language or culture like Wales. So definitely, and it's it's even led me to opening up my third business, which is all to do with diversifying children's literature, but educational resources, and then helping schools to log racist incidents and stuff like that. So I suppose within the, the two years of opening Ambassador and having, say, a publishing house and stuff like this, you've got to see the opportunities where, where it's there. And currently in Wales, there isn't really many services out there that will answer the direct problems that we're facing today. So it's the simple things that I could do by translating a book, for example, and if people can cover those funds, because I understand that for my clients, when they know, and I've told them that 450 million people speak Spanish, and I'm asking them to translate into Welsh for 3 million. There's a population of 3 million in Wales, but I believe only two thirds speak Welsh. So it's actually just they, they're doing it for, for us benefit the Welsh culture so yeah I think it's just led me into different realms and I believe it will continue to do so actually. I mean a lot has happened in do you say two years that you've been doing this work? 
Well, yeah, I opened Ambassador in two, uh, two years ago, and then Lily Translates and my books were released in February this year, and then the other businesses have followed in the last six months. So it's all happened rather quickly, but it's just because, I mean, I'm good at what I do, but it's mainly because of, you know, there's not many people or anyone doing it. So you just have to see the opportunity there, and I'm sure the rewards will happen later. But at the moment, it's kind of it's become more of a duty that I have to do it. And, and it complements my brands anyway. Do you think that there are lots of benefits or are there any challenges to having a number of strings to your bow when it comes to your career? There, there are disadvantages, let's say, because I say I'm a woman and, and Welsh and you know black. So it's hard to get funding. I didn't start off with the same equal playing field, but absolutely not, I think. Ultimately, I understand that all of my businesses, I am my businesses. So whether I'm a translation firm, I'm dealing with lots of different translation projects going into different languages or I'm dealing with different books. It's kind of as long as you can stay on top of it, really, it's just taking the same expertise and applying them to different circumstances. And it helped me organize a bit more because I do not need to go through a whole price list of, say, generalised translation when translating a children's book, which has less words, is a completely different frame. So it was a way of just allocating my expertise and those who work with me in a way which fits each brand. So then my translators are not being bored with medical journals when they're really passionate about translating poetry, for example. Yeah, that's a really great approach. Johnny, um, in terms of upsides and downsides of, of wearing, we say, multiple hats as a creative, <laughs> another way of saying multiple strings to your bow, do you feel like that is a benefit to you? You've described yourself as a permalancer in the past, which sounds a bit dangerous. Can you tell us what you mean by that as a term? Well, I think um, to talk about permalancer, I suppose, I've always, well, in the past few years, I've gone between working for myself and other periods of working for others as a member of staff. But I always sort of veer back towards freelancing. But there's the ambition there that actually one day that becomes running, you know, being part of the business rather than just working on my own. Because the idea of just working here in this room solo forever fills me with dread, to be honest. <laughs> I want to be working with others because that's where that's where the good stuff happens, I think. But well, the advantage to me of having sort of cross disciplines is that it's revealed opportunities in terms of the sort of research and development I'm doing now, which I think would be hard to stumble across had you not actually worked or been in those different sectors for some time, you know, studying architecture for five years and then spending another five or six in the world of filmmaking and communications has revealed opportunities which to me seem quite obvious but having had lots of discussions with others they are not so I think that's that's certainly a benefit to me obviously that might not be (laughs) applicable to everyone Uh, the downside is just that nagging sense I suppose of being a jack of all trades and master of none there's a um, a jean brand uh, in Wales whose like motto is do one thing well and I think I think of that every single day and it does try and keep me focused, but also gives me a sense of guilt that I'm <laughs> over the past few years, I've done a few things. Okay. <laughs> so there's always that drive to at some point really focus down on, on one thing and really do it well. Oh, I'm sure you do lots of things. Well, um, Jess, your book outstanding inspires children to have a career in any field they choose. 
What advice might you have for anyone who's listening who, who might want to have a different career to what they have currently? Perhaps maybe anyone that wants to become an author? Good question. Changing your career. I suppose seeing as I'm a mature student in Cardiff Uni, I suppose it's quite evident that you can change from what you were doing. It's never too late, really. And you can always you can always change what you're doing and you can always transfer your skills. I mean, if you're the type of person who likes to live a fast paced lifestyle like me, I don't really like to choose between my projects. So I just say yes to them all and then I do them all. So, yeah, my main thing would be to just not let your personal circumstances hold you back because of my specific learning disabilities where I shouldn't really be in this field, but I am. I struggle a bit more, but um, you can always overcome whatever you're into. So if you think, like when I was younger, I wanted to be an architect, funny enough. And then I heard that you have to be good at maths and you have to be good at drawing. And I'm dyspraxic, so we can't even write properly. But actually, I'm sure there are ways to overcome that and other people that are dyspraxic architects out there. So I would just say, um, just try and research with what you've got and what you're interested in. Always keep searching for what you're interested in, because the second you're no longer interested in what you're doing, it means you're not in the right place or you're not doing the right thing. I think that's really great advice and perhaps what a lot of people have come to find over the pandemic you know, to think about those different career options available to them. Johnny, I guess the same question to you. What what advice would you have for those who are looking to slightly change direction in their creative careers? Maybe someone who wants to become a filmmaker. I know that you're, you're a great um, believer in the value of networking. Do you feel like that would play a part in any sort of career change? Yeah, I I mean, I guess my my first piece of advice, advice might be pushing it maybe, is that having come through an education system where you pick your degree at the age of what well, you start, you know, thinking about it when you're 16, maybe apply when you're 17, if you anticipate going straight in from school, what you're essentially doing there is potentially picking your future career when you're 16 or 17. And I think it's maybe being able to drop that if you do your degree or even if you're halfway through it and you're realising, actually, maybe this isn't what I want to do. Not being afraid to explore some other options, because I certainly don't think of my five years studying architecture as a waste of time, because that put me in a position where I was able to reflect on it and make a change. And I think that each thing you say yes to or you say no to, you will learn something from and um, I think it's yeah not being afraid to change directions as many times as you feel you need to before you arrive somewhere where you're like nah this is what I want to be doing in terms of getting into filmmaking specifically networking is important I think I've been quite fortunate to come into it at a time when the, the technology is way more accessible than it used to be I'm not saying it's still not a level playing field by any stretch of the imagination, but there are ways to get into filming things and editing things which just didn't exist 10, 10 years ago. And where where you can, just give things a go and put yourself out there. And I learned 60% of my professional skills from watching YouTube videos. So the the resources and the assets are, are out there or at least are much more accessible than they used to be. So just start searching, I guess. Sounds like you're both committed to always learning and developing yourselves. We're coming to the end of our time together now. I could listen to you both all day, but I'm just going to ask one last question, which is about the future. 
Jess, what's next for you and your career? What are your hopes? Well, I graduate from my MA, so it'd be nice to actually go to a graduation ceremony because they, they botched my BA last year. I'm going to continue on with writing the Welsh history textbooks. I'm trying to make connections to make Your Hair is Your Crown into an animation and create the Welsh story, the explorer, essentially. There was already talks about play and, and all of that. So it's really just building the brand, promoting Welsh culture and language and my translation firms internationally through their translations and and forming as many collaborations as possible because I completely uh, agree with what Johnny said. Networking is the key to all of this. I wouldn't be able to do any of this without people who have their own expertise and they can complement what I'm doing. I love the idea of the Welsh Dora the Explorer. Can't wait to see that. Of course, there'll be lots of people listening who'll be creatives in the fields of animation and different areas. So hopefully they'll be able to get in touch and, like you say, make more connections. Johnny, what's next for you? What's coming up? Well, over the past few months, I've been really doubling down on exploring this um, crossover area that I exist in between architecture and filmmaking and storytelling and, and communications. Um, so I'm actually about nine months into a sort of research and development process of exploring what that crossover could look like and how to sort of essentially tell the stories of the design of the places around us in new and better ways that actually engage people or engage new people and engage different people than are sort of typically interested in those sorts of things. So it's not just grand designs. It's not just objecting to planning applications. <laughs> It's an interesting world, which the built environment sector does a really bad job of telling to the rest of the public. And so I'm exploring ways in which that engagement could be improved. And weirdly, it's taking me away from filmmaking. It's taking me away from design into somewhere in the middle. And I'm still not quite sure what it is, but we'll find out. A hybrid space. Those stories of you know placemaking, it's, it's so important as well. So we, we wish you all the best with that. We're going to end with a quick recommendation, if you both don't mind. At Creative Cardiff, we believe in passing on knowledge and learning to our community. So do either of you have a resource that you would encourage creatives to engage with when they're thinking about their career? Could be a podcast, a book, a website, a social media account. You don't need to limit your imagination. Do, do either of you have any thoughts on that? I'm terrible with computers. So Canva has changed my life recently. So that is something someone's trying to get me to enjoy spreadsheets, which I still don't. I would say there is a Cardiff University Enterprise Department where they can help you build your business plan. I hated doing it at the time, but two years later, actually, it was helpful having that on piece of paper because it was a quick copy and paste job. You use it for your marketing and for business proposals and stuff like that. So, yeah, use the free resources on campus while they're there. You can also get languages for all free language classes while you're there. So um, language learning is probably the future as well. Great. We'll put some of those links into the show notes. We've actually we've had the enterprise team on the podcast in a previous series. So, yeah, you're right. It's a really worthwhile thing to do your business planning canvas. Johnny, did you have any resources that you wanted to share? I don't think I have a specific one. I'm. I'm going to be a bit more old-fashioned. Old I just find going to something like a print journal, particularly if I'm thinking about a different sector, you can pick one up and you just get a sort of a flavour of what is happening in that sector at a certain point in time. But also with journals and books, because they all reference each other, 
suddenly you have a way into almost like a network of, of literature which just sort of spreads from that point so particularly with the, the research and development I've been doing I've been making sure I've just been reading if I read a paragraph that really resonates with me you can check for reference you can see where that came from and then it just sort of spreads and that I find for me that's what keeps me inspired and realizing that you know to write a book, um, as I'm sure Jess can <laughs> agree, is quite a commitment. And it's always inspiring for me to realise that people spend years of their lives writing about these topics that I'm kind of into. And that just sort of keeps me going as well. That's great. Yeah, you can't beat the feeling of a physical book in your hands for inspiration. I mean, that's all we've got time for today. Thanks to both of you for joining us. No worries. Thanks very much. Yeah, thank you for having me. And thanks to our listeners. We'd love to hear your thoughts on how you might be evolving your creative career. So do tag us at Creative Cardiff in any comments on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook or LinkedIn. And if you like this episode, be sure to hit the subscribe button to get future eps as soon as they land. Get a Proper Job is made by Creative Cardiff with and for the creative community. got a proper job.